Okay, let's go. Ignore. I'm not comfortable, but whatever. I'm try- I'll try and ignore it. Now? Yes. Uh, now? Yes. <laughs> you ready now? Yes, sir. Like a dog. You're calling your wife a dog. That is so un- Loving. I mean, in the sense... That's just... I mean, in the sense that it takes cruel, you forever cruel. to find... You spin around, round and round, before you sit down, like a dog trying to find the right spot. You have to find the right spot. Yeah. You just have to. This podcast has been knocked out. Actually, I don't know if it has been yet. We've not recorded it. We're recording it literally as I speak. That's That's real time, that is... Hello everyone, I'm Paul Rose, I'm here with my wife Sanya. Hi. Well, you'll be very glad to hear, we're, Sanya's putting a funny face. What's the matter? No, it's not. Is it how you said hi? Yeah. We're going to get into the hole, you don't know how to say hello on a podcast thing again. Because it was so cut short, it was like half a sentence. You can't really cut hi. No, no, it felt like I had more to say, but then I didn't. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) hi yeah okay so you'll all be very glad to hear that we're finally going to be talking about afraid of sunlight i know some of you have been a little bit impatient for this one all i can say to you is if we just steam through all the albums the podcast is gone we're done so what we're trying to do is we're trying to react in real time to things like album news topics that come up such as when we did the stephen wilson Yes. episode which related to Marillion. We're trying to be exhaustive as much as anything, partly because we're having fun doing this. I get the sense that a lot of you are enjoying it. So we we don't want to stop anytime soon. So I wouldn't say we're dragging things out, but we are pacing ourselves. Yes. So, And I do appreciate the extra time to get to know an album better. It's partly that. I actually regret not doing it this way with the earlier fish albums because now i'm like oh i feel like i could have really gotten to know the songs on a much deeper level yeah i feel like i've really had so much time with like brave and i mean okay from misplaced childhood onwards i think like i really sunk my teeth into the albums i think there's a case Um, to be had for after we've done the eight year going back and looking at those fish albums again yeah and and just seeing how they sit with us in the light of of the eight era yeah because as i said to you as i said to you which actually does relate to this episode i listened to chelsea monday again the other day and enjoyed it Mm. more than i was expecting and so i just want to go back and just see if if our opinions and our tastes have, have changed at all Yeah, I'd be really curious because I've just seen the difference that, you know, considering that most of our listeners and you yourself had a lot of time with each album and these are, it's like, it's like a nice lasagna or something. Let's always talk about food. (laughs) Um, It it tastes better the next day because the flavours have been allowed to develop and mature. And I think the albums really benefit from having time for you to have the sounds develop and mature yeah we know i've noticed the difference we know marillion aren't an instant band no their albums most of their albums most of my favorite albums i didn't get on first listen and having this extra time with the freight of sunlight i've actually my my 
feelings about a couple of the songs have changed from how I thought I was going to respond to them going into it. Because actually, I I actually held off listening to it because I thought I've listened to this album so much over the years. I don't need to again, but I have. I've really tried to listen to it with fresh ears as much as possible. So having the gaps between albums... Is, is vital really for us to sort of do the album's justice. Yeah, and actually, I don't want to preempt our talking about the album, but I feel like, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to wait any longer for the sake of the podcast, but I wish I'd had more of a gap between Afraid of Sunlight and Brave because Afraid of Sunlight is like a monolith and it casts a Afraid long shadow. Afraid of Sunlight and Brave. Sorry, not Afraid of Sunlight. Yeah, Brave, the album, and Afraid of Sunlight. You have album. had a long time. Not long enough. Really? Like I wish I'd had like a year to forget about Brave. You've and um, then you took a long time to start listening to it as well, didn't you? To Afraid of Sunlight. No, I didn't. I listened to it, but I had those horrible headphones. The ones you got wet. <laughs> yeah, and the ones you put in the washing machine. They ruined machine. everything, and then I had to wait for the new ones. Yeah, to you arrive. were kind of going. This album is produced horribly. It's got horrible <laughs> sounds. So <laughs> like, I was like, really? I really? can't oh. listen to this. Um, I knew it wasn't the album's fault. Um, but then I had to wait for the new headphones to arrive. So this is all the sort of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that has delayed us getting to Afraid of Sunlight. What I will concede, probably didn't need two post-bag episodes about Brave. But it did give us the opportunity to explore some other subjects. Yes. Off the back of those letters. What yeah. I'd also implore, before you write to us about Afraid of Sunlight, maybe be a little bit more concise, <laughs> everyone. You write a lot, and I love the enthusiasm. Um, but it did mean that we did kind of have to have two hour and a half post-bag episodes, which... Um, which, and it's like, I love the letters, and I want to read all of them and everything that everyone said, because it's really interesting. Yeah, we want to feature everyone. It's, you know, a lot of what people said sparked conversation in us and sparked a, us thinking about things in a different way so i i really appreciate people's letters i really appreciate them i love that people take the time to write to us um but yeah they are quite long letters we tend to get you know prog album length letters <laughs> yeah well i think that's fitting concept letters i think that's fitting <laughs> double double concept double letters concept letters yeah so um, we'd be the same though yeah so anyway we finally got here uh it's, it's going to be interesting, this one. I've said it before. I think it's a contender for their best album. I, I'm not saying it is their best album, but I think I would argue that it's up there in their top five easily. Easily in their top five, possibly even higher. Mm. But actually, before I, before I get too much into what I think, should we just do some basic Afraid of Sunlight facts? Let's do it. It was preceded by the single Beautiful which was released in May 1995. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? It tells you that this album came out barely a year after after Brave. You're kidding. Which, given how long there was between Holidays in Eden and Brave, that's unprecedented. Wow. Yeah. What it also uh, proceeds is... Uh, a run of Marillion albums that, although there's a gap of two years between Afraid of Sunlight and the next album, This Strange Engine, they then, the the subsequent three albums, were released a year apart. Really? Yeah. I never knew they could 
work so quickly. Well, they can when they've got a gun to their <laughs> I was going to say bash things out so quickly, but I, well, hence, I don't, I, it doesn't feel to me like it was bashed out. Well, hence the legend on this, this album sleeve, this album was knocked out because by their standards, it was recorded very quickly. They, by their standards, yeah. yeah. They wrote the bulk of it in three months. What? I know. Given, My mind is blown. Given how glacial Marillion tend to be with their songwriting, mm. it, it is unprecedented. But it's quality. It's not a bad album. So that's, Well, I, I that's would go further going. than to say it's not a bad album. I would go on to say that it's one of their best yeah. once again. Um, so it was released in June. Uh, June 95. It got lower than Brave. It only got oh, to number. Are you serious? Yeah, got to number sixteen. Beautiful as a single, only got to twenty nine, so it, it barely made an impact. What's going on? The album, uh, yeah, got to number sixteen, which was pretty good, given that by this point EMI, the record company, had given up on them. But they were still with EMI. Well, EMI wanted to drop them after Brave. That was the plan, and. John Arneson, the band's manager, went to EMI and said, look, if I can promise you they can do an album cheaply and quickly, will you let them do one more album with you? Mm -hmm. So they went into it. EMI reluctantly said, yes, okay. So the band went into it, you know, obviously thinking, well, you never know. It could be, you know, a big misplaced childhood style surprise hit. Um, But they did have this sort of sword of Damocles hanging over them the whole time. And EMI didn't really even though they'd said yes you can have this extra album extend your contract or whatever they didn't promote it there was barely any press um because they wanted to drop them yeah they didn't care whether the album was good or not i think the band at one point went to france to do press and all they ended up doing was one interview with a fanzine so it was bleak times they were, however, able to get it in cheaply because they were working from the Racket Club. They had their own studio, of course, by this point, which you know they'd paid for off off the back of their advance from from Brave. So somehow they were focused, you know, knowing that they had to get it out quickly. Mm. They uh, they did, and this was their last album with EMI. Yeah, so it's interesting. It, there, there was sort of strange parallels with the fish era because their third album with both singers was a concept album yeah their fourth album marked a change in circumstances mm, interesting a departure whereas in this case it wasn't the departure of a singer it was a departure from the label and what happened afterwards was i'll get into it more when we get to this strange engine but they signed with a independent label uh, castle uh on the raw power imprint. But uh, that proved to be a, a flawed experiment. And then it ultimately led to them becoming completely independent. So the next album is This Strange Engine. Did they make This Strange Engine under Castle? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then that's it. That's it, yeah. Between Afraid of Sunlight, though, and... Um, uh, this strange engine, they kind of went their own separate ways for a while, and they, uh, you know, Rothers did his first solo project, The Wishing Tree. H did his solo album. Brace yourselves before we get to this strange engine. We might do a couple of eps on some of those solo albums because I think they're interesting, and I think they certainly, particularly the Wishing Tree, the Steve Rothery album, 
led to a lot of the sounds on this strange engine. Really? It became a lot more sort of acoustic-y. I had no idea he'd had another solo album before uh, Ghosts of Pripyat. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, two. He's done you two. You learn wi- something yeah. new every day. He's done two Wishing Tree albums. I've played you Has some he? of it. Yeah. I don't you're, know why. You're a female I don't know. singer. Oh, okay. It wasn't just music. No. Oh, for some reason, I thought the Wishing Tree was a separate band. That oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, it is that a he band, like occasionally but... played with. I didn't realize it was actually his band. Yeah, both both instances, Wishing Tree has influenced the the the, the, the Mullion album that followed. Even though there was a big gap between the two Wishing Tree albums, the mm. the, the albums and Rothers getting the chance to do that right influenced his songwriting with Marillion. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, we'll 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 get a little bit more into that next time when we talk about this strange engine. So. It was an entirely happy process. There was apparently some uh, tension at points within the band. Even though we talked about Brave being the album that saw them united as a kind of five-piece for the first time properly. But Rothers does say that he thinks it was this album because Brave was more a reaction to Holidays in Eden and then determined to prove, no, we're not a pop band, we're not like that. Whereas this was them just in their element creating music as a solid unit uh so from that that side of things it was it was all good mark kelly at the time apparently had a slightly less favorable response to the album because uh, (laughs) apparently dave megan and h didn't like the song an accidental man which mark loved and they managed to get it taken off the album so uh i'm not familiar with this song you are you've seen it live and it's on it ended up on this strange engine in a in a different form there's an early version of it the afraid of sunlight era version which is floating around out there which i'll play to you at some point which i actually do really like um at the an accidental man did take me a while to get into it it wasn't until i saw it at the meridian weekend a few years ago that i kind of went actually this song's really good uh but the original version was sort of more laid back and a bit more shuffly definitely sort of more in, in line with afraid of sunlight in terms of the sound anyway so mark so that colored things for mark and then there was apparently a huge row over the album artwork now oh is this why there there are two, are two separate yeah. album artworks so which one was the original well the original was the boy in a nappy with angel wings surrounded by a ring of fire oh okay is he in a nappy no, he's not a nappy. He's not literally in a nappy. He's like <laughs> wait. Kind of, I need to look at. I he's need looking to look kind of up. Christ-like, so he's in like the sort of nappy that Jesus oh. might wear. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. H wanted the cover that is now on the the version, the deluxe version that's out there, which is a day glow Jesus. As yeah, mentioned. which is my favourite cover. I have to say. Not yeah. That, not that anyone asked, but it is. At the time, I think they felt it was too radical from what had gone before. That it was... Uh, I, I have to say, it's a better cover, I agree. It's certainly more striking. But the the kind of airbrushed, Gaussian blurred glow around the, the Christ the Redeemer statue is a little bit Photoshop. I love it. 101. I love it. I think it's a great cover. Yes, I like it. I really like colors. it. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I really like it. 
Um, but anyway, H wanted that. The rest of the band thought it was too radical. Mark apparently thought it would, people would mistake them for a Christian rock band. Um, That's a fair point. Yeah, so they compromised and put it on the back cover of the album. Uh, and then went with, uh, as Mark said, you know, um, the boy in his, you know, the half-naked boy, which, you know, God knows what people might thought of them. <laughs> I mean, I, st- I still got uh, Christian connotations from the boy cover because he's kind of like an angel. Yeah. Yeah, he is. But... But as as H said, they went for they they settled on something far more brown, which was their their comfort zone. <laughs> it, I guess I guess the brown version flows nicely from Brave, from the cover of yeah. Brave. But you want to contrast. You don't just want you know. And the next album cover was it, it was even more brown. This strange engine is everyone's favorite color, Paul. Yeah, the, this strange engine album cover is possibly the the most brown of them all. Really, you know, brown's in fashion at the moment. Well, okay, but this so is they like, were ahead of their time. This is nineteen ninety five, and every album cover was ending up brown after the you know after the eighties when it had been you know these these kind of real bright acid yeah <laughs> kind of colors. Suddenly, yeah, nineties Marillion brown, <laughs> brown, just brown. We just want brown albums. Various shades of brown. Yeah. Surprise just no let one, it be brown. Surprise no one's done an uh, album called The Brown Album after the Beatles. We've had the White Album. We've had the Black Album. It's your turn, Paul. Yeah. Guess what'll be on it. <laughs> Love me poo. Anyway, what was really notable about this album was despite the fact it didn't do terribly well at the time, despite the fact... Here my drop them. Astonishingly, Q magazine named it as one of their albums of the year. What? <laughs> yeah, which you know, I remember going through Q and going and having that reaction, going, "What Q?" I know, the, considering their history with yeah, Q, the defiantly anti Marillion Q. I'd given it only four out of five, which, as we know, is you know. Oh, stop! It's a. That is a <laughs> It's a good rating. <laughs> Four out of five, podcast of the year. Anyway, uh, we won't get into that. No. But still, Q Magazine wouldn't do a feature on them. They name it as one of the albums Come of the on, year. Come on, guys. I know, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and as H paraphrases, he sort of said, if this... This is more or less what Q said. If this was by anyone other than Marillion, it would be hailed as near genius. And yet... And yet they didn't want to... Yeah, I mean, even in that, there's a freaking slight, isn't there? But it is Marillion, so, you know, let's forget it. At least, though, they did recognise the quality of the album for itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's the Marillion baggage, you know, as... H said, said, it's hard to take when they say, here's a very average record, we'll put you on the front cover. As they do to other bands. Yeah. So, there's a question to be had over whether Afraid of Sunlight is or isn't a concept album. Yes. I I did wonder that, but then in the end just ended up approaching it as a concept album. Oh, you did? I was just like, yeah, this is a concept album. That's it. No questions asked. It's certainly thematically it it there are links there are certainly you know it doesn't tell a story as such 
Uh, although you, I can see from the look on your face that oh, you're going to try and turn it into a story. <laughs> I've turned it into a story Okay, already. great. I can't wait. Um. <laughs> but, but I turned it into a story, but not for every song. Okay. So it was like a general theme across the album. And then several of the songs were linking a story, which I bet that a couple of them are not linked now that I think about it. I don't see how beautiful fits with the theme. Yeah, beautiful was one that that didn't. Yes, but then again, you had Paper Lies and Hollow yeah. Man on the previous album, which certainly didn't fit with the theme, and that was a concept album. I did manage to shoehorn Paper Lies into the theme, though, if you remember. Yes, you did. Jeez. <laughs> which I don't think I don't think I've done that with Beautiful here. Um, so, as a bit of background to the theme, I, lots of people sort of talk about it you know and the band have certainly sort of referred to it in this way that it's about the self-destructive nature of fame but it's far more personal than that because at the time h's marriage was starting to crumble partly from his lifestyle his being on the road being away from home being in the studio and then on top of that he he weirdly just like fish was starting to get tired of of being in the spotlight you know, and he actually said, I was getting sick of being stared at. These two that things. That definitely comes through in yeah. the album. So even, which I I, I guess, I, I guess at the time, I, I, and even until recently, I didn't really appreciate how he was sort of struggling with that because Meridian weren't as big as they had been in the 80s. You know, I kind of got that Fish was very much this big, figure and all the attention was focused on him and the rest of the band could kind of hide behind him almost but I guess on some level the same thing was happening happening with H they had sort of said even though they had stepped forwards a little bit more than they had in the 80s clearly the bulk of representing the band once again was was handed to the singer Mm. and so I suppose I never really appreciated how that can take its toll on a person but then when I think back this is going to sound really odd to most of you who are listening the video games magazine that I used to write for Channel 4 Teletext did have quite a a big cult following and I've been in rooms where people have known who I was from that as Mr Biffo I'm alright with it these days I, I deal with it a lot better but there was a time when I found I felt very exposed by that, and and perhaps didn't handle it brilliantly, and weirdly, one of those times was at one of the first Marillion weekends, where I was in a bar. We just got there with my friend Anthony, and I just met this guy called Richard, who was a friend of Anthony's, and is now actually a very good friend of mine. And Sanya's uh, and yeah. a key part of our Marillion gang. Yes, he is. Uh, and Richard had been a fan of this games magazine that I wrote, which had this cult following. And that was lovely because he's a lovely, lovely man. He's one of the sweetest men I know. And I know he's listening to this. He wrote our Christmas quiz. He wrote our Christmas quiz. Um, and it was fine because it was he was a friend of Anthony's. But then somehow a couple of other people found out that quote Mr Biffo was there and I just thought I've gone away for the weekend to enjoy a Marillion event 
and suddenly I'm sort of in a spotlight. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I was sworn, but there were like two or three people. And then I tried to get away and I went to the loo and I was in a cubicle and outside two people were talking about Mr. Biffo. Oh, weird. That's got to be really weird. It wasn't. uncomfortable. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't nice. It wasn't a nice feeling. And partly because I hadn't been braced for it. You know, we've done things since you and I, we've done live events and stuff. And I'm okay going into it knowing that I've got to be switched on like that and put on my show face. But back then, you know, particularly at that event, at the Marillion weekend, I hadn't expected it or anticipated it. And I'll say it now, I I mean, I, I didn't have a panic attack, but I came close to needing to get out of that room. So... I can I can relate to some of the themes, you know. Yeah, I'm not so saying, you imagine that amped up, yeah, to, amped up to eleven. Yeah, yeah I've not I've not had that level of it. Yeah, yeah. The most you and I have had is sort of five hundred people or whatever at something that we've put on, you know, digitize a live, and that's fine because I'm there as Mr. Biffo. I'm there, but it, but yeah, multiply that by like at a Marillion weekend, several thousand people. Mm. But also then multiply that by night after night after night on tour. Mm-hmm. Not only having to go Which out. Which in itself must be exhausting. Well, imagine, you know, so if you're wandering around before a gig, there's a chance of people bumping into you. At a gig, you're kind of pouring your heart out on stage and performing in front of a crowd of thousands. After the show, it, as H's diaries attest, then there are sort of meet and greets and, you know, grip and grins, as Mark Kelly calls them which that caused a bit of a storm once amongst the fans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's just got to be debilitating. Mm. So I get it. And it's got to affect, you know, when you come away from that environment and come off a tour, it's got to affect how you relate to the rest of the world. You know, not only the, the come down of that adrenaline high that happens night after night, you know, when suddenly you've got to deal with bills and mm. washing machines and, things like that but also just how you deal with you know the day-to-day of being married to someone in a relationship with someone and being a dad and all of that mm. so so yeah even if he wasn't at the level of fish's fame i can see where this album came from mm-hmm. now yeah and i tried to go into listening to it this time trying to feel it as much as listen to it and feel that emotion that h is capable of putting into his songs Mm. I think I think the emotion really comes through. I think it's their most emotional album since H joined. Yeah, I and agree. I, I think it's it it is in places sort of uncomfortably sort of naked. You start to see it on the Hollow Man, mm. but here he's really starting to, even though he doesn't write every song solo, some of them are Helmer lyrics or co-writes with John Helmer. Um, when he does go there, sometimes it's like, whoa, <laughs> okay, someone's someone's going through something here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which is once again interesting because what was Clutching the Straws about? The f- I know. There's real fish. parallels, aren't there? Yeah. Fourth album with Fish is about him not coping with being famous and in a band. And in the spotlight. Yeah, that's literally just occurred to me. And once again, <laughs> here we are, H, fourth album with mm. Marillion. Mm. blimey so where the theme stroke concept depending on where you stand on the whole issue comes from 
H said, all of these people were kind of on our radar that burned out from their own success. So I could kind of relate to that because I was under a lot of pressure at the time trying to be a rock star and it was taking its toll on my own relationships and my own marriage and my own peace of mind. OJ with his public meltdown, Mike Tyson being done for rape, it goes on and on. Mm. So you got Mike Tyson, OJ Simpson, Elvis Presley, people that had self-destructed from fame. Mm. And I guess H was standing there looking at it going there, but for the grace of God go I. Mm. And, and potentially seeing where he could end up. So again, it's it's classic Marillion dark territory. Yeah. But very honest. But then with like a little bit of hope weaved through. I mean, okay, so basically my overall impressions of the album were, aside from straight off the bat, wow, what a contrast to Brave. Yeah. Um, wondering if this was what Holidays in Eden could have been or was I meant thought to be. that it feels like a marriage of their pop sensibilities with their rock side yeah with their conceptual side and with their more atmospheric side yeah I thought exactly yeah. the same great minds great minds think alike um straight away I felt that it was a concept album there was an overarching theme thread about it being about the psychological repercussions of fame and wanting to escape the spotlight. And it it even made me wonder whether the sunlight in the album title was uh, referring to the spotlight. So the sunlight is the spotlight. I hadn't thought of that. That's good. Yeah. So whether it's about a cautionary fear, afraid of, the tragedy the tragedy that a life in the spotlight or a life yearning for the spotlight in some cases which i'm thinking of out of this world might bring like you said happened to people like oj simpson elvis etc where the fame resulted in them losing themselves and feeling disconnected from their loved ones and from their own authenticity and losing that creative fire that brought them fame in the first place uh so i was wondering whether on the one hand the album was expressing h's anxiety about this happening to him and then on the other hand there seemed to be a thread of hope where love can help you go through that or escape from that unscathed or not as scathed as it you could have been so the love can kind of be like a balm to your soul help you get through it there's also the risk whether that love can survive the spotlight as well mm. so maybe new loves that have been found or old loves that you'd had can they survive in the spotlight and sort of being afraid of that as well being afraid of the sunlight mm. ruining relationships Do that we- might be helping you get through it so that, that was my overall take on the theme. You just made me think of something as well. Back when we did our counselling training, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but Sanya and I met while we were training to be counsellors. Uh, and I used to use about the analogy about the, the things under the bed, the, the monsters in the night that sort of bang around under your bed. Yeah. And how sometimes you have to look under the bed and shine a light on them. Sometimes you see them scurrying away into the dark corners, but they're afraid of the light. Yeah. And again, 
is there something about we might be reaching too much here were you sort of saying talking about the sun the sunlight I know, being um, a I know that I could be reaching I am reaching. well I'm reaching here so you know is there something about being afraid of that sort of shining the light on the monsters and the self-analysis and wanting to party and go through the whole you know going out and drinking all your spirit rack abuses rather mm. than looking at at yourself with a with a in the cold light of day yeah so there's actually there could be two parts to this experience the one part that is afraid of burning out and afraid of the tragedy that sometimes results from fame and then there's that other part that wants to just live in denial and mm. enjoy it and well yeah not and not notice the damage that it's doing to yourself and, and those around you because you can't see how ugly things are in the shadows no and at night yeah you can you know in the cold light of day everything's exposed yeah well, that's interesting that's a that's a unique way of looking at it but again, this is us extrapolating. This is us reaching. Yeah, it's us extrapolating from what's there. We might be overthinking it. We probably are. We do that quite a lot, you and I, don't we? <laughs> we do at times. <laughs> That's so, fine. Aside from the concept, mm. um, God, there's so much I want to say about this album because for me it's a really, really special album. Um, it, as I say, contender for one of their best. But I think for, for me, I, I really enjoyed Brave. But even by the time this came out a year later, I think I was still struggling a bit with Brave. That I Were you? I appreciated it, but I wasn't loving it because it was so difficult. Mm. It took me, it, literally, it took me years, Sanya, to get, to get into Brave. Wow. Uh, so by the time this came out, I think I still wasn't fully there. I used to cherry pick certain songs off it. But this album was ironically like a ray of sunshine, uh, and it, it so it was almost like a relief for you when this came out. I loved like, it. Like, oh, finally, I've got something that's an easy listen. It, it, yeah, it's an easy listen to a point. I mean, lyrically, no, not it, lyrically. Yeah, it's difficult, but this is one of the few Marillion albums that I liked immediately, and that didn't go away, even though it had. I, you know, had an immediacy to it that I really appreciated after Brave. Mm. It wasn't like a, what am I trying to say? It wasn't a, a short-lived, old short but sweet thing. It, that it just, as time went on, that like of it deepened into love mm. um, with this album. I think what's really interesting, even though I sort of talked about how it feels like it brings together their pop side and... Uh, it doesn't feel like there's any prog on here. Not really. Out of This World is probably the closest it kind of gets. There are proggy bits in certain songs. Yeah. But they're kind of just parts. They, they don't overshadow the whole song, except maybe Out of This World. It's no proggier than lots of albums by bands that aren't called prog bands. Yeah. And it was the album for a long time that I would sort of say to people, listen to this you want to know what Marillion sound like, listen to this and expect to have your expectations blown away. Of course, they didn't listen, but... <laughs> but you tried, but and I that's tried. what counts. Um, yeah, there's no massively long songs on there. The longest song gets is seven minutes something. Wow, I never picked up on that, consciously. Yeah. 
kind of don't know what the, I haven't got the length of the songs in front of me, but yeah, seven minutes something is the longest a song gets. On top of that, each song is completely different from the ones that came before it. Mm. It's almost like a showcase of them going, this is what we can do. It's like a portfolio album. Yeah, I sort of said in my notes that it it's almost like a greatest hits, <laughs> even yeah. though it's not. Yeah, yeah because right. it shows the breadth of the band. And on top of that, even though we talked about how Brave was a signpost to the future, this album is has way more in common with the likes of Marbles and Fear than Brave does, I mm. think. This is where their sound going forward absolutely gets defined. Mm. Yeah, you can see the title track, Afraid of Sunlight, in something like Fantastic Place. Yeah, that's so true. Or never. Yeah, I used to always get them confused. Yeah. Uh, you know, that dinosaur scale, small start, big in the middle and small at the end. But um, it, it, it's really showing what they're capable of, even more so than Brave. It's really sort of saying Marillion are great songwriters. And on top of that, you know, we have to give him credit. Dave Megan, what a great producer. Yeah, he did a good job. Once again. Uh and another thing, it's it's only 51 minutes long. It feels like as concise as Misplaced Childhood to me. It's very accessible. Overall, it's a very accessible listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also going to say, there are two versions out there. The 1999 remaster. Oh, here we go. Oh, God. What? No, no, no. Because how much I went on about the two different album versions at the beginning yes, with my rubbish headphones. <laughs> I know. Anyway. I could tell I was driving you mad. There's the 1999 remaster. Yes. The original version isn't out there anymore. But anyway, the 1999 one, for all intents and purposes, can be considered the original. And then there's the deluxe edition, which also has the 1999 remaster on it, I think. Or does it have the original? I'm not sure. Anyway, I prefer the 1999 remaster. Sorry. To explain. I just say it sounds better. Oh, it hasn't got as much space between the... I think there's a couple of bits on the deluxe version that I prefer. I prefer the, the Beyond You version um, on there. And I think I prefer the Afraid of Sunlight version on there. But broadly, I prefer Gaspacho. Really? Cannibal Surf Bay, beautiful on... It's just personal taste, though. Is it? And I think this is where our personal taste differs. Because I way, way prefer the... Was it 2019? Yeah, I think so. The special edition version. Mm. Just the sound of it. And I think it is because of that space. You love all that. Yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) I I really, really do. I'm so relieved that they had that version created. Yes. Thank you, them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I you know I've not shied away from giving my opinions on the album as a whole because I think there's no point entering into this. How's your wife? You have to explain now what you were doing. No, I wasn't going to put that bit on the podcast. Oh. Okay, well now I have to. I was saluting a magpie out the window. <laughs> Appropriately, yes. what a shame we're not doing misplaced childhood. Oh. <laughs> um, See, I've lost my thread. Anyway, there's no point me hiding because I'm not going to be able to hide it because as soon as we get into talking about the individual songs, my love for this album will come across. And this process of 
going through the albums one by one, my love has grown for for this. Mm. Once I started listening to it, after going, yeah, I don't need to. I know it. I, know I can't it. believe you said that to yourself. Yeah. Mm. But it might up there with out million albums I've listened to the most mm. as a whole and as individual songs. So... I did have a thought the other day because I wish I wish that I'd listened to Afraid of Sunlight before Brave because having it come so closely on the tales of Brave I don't I think it did it a disservice. Well, I've and got, I know yeah. it's an easier listen. I've got the sense that you haven't loved it as much as I was expecting you to. Yeah, I I I'm, I do love it though. But Brave, I don't know why, it really affected me and I didn't even really love it to begin with. But I had this thought the other day, I think whereas Brave you need to listen to as a whole, Afraid of Sunlight, you can just pick songs and listen to them individually and they're great. I've really enjoyed it, like I do really love it and with each listen it absolutely grows on me. But, and I, this annoys me so much. Like, I hate that this happens and it happened with Misplaced Childhood. And it's like, why Brave? I don't even like the the subject of the album. It's not like, why has it planted this stupid seed in me where it's like, I can't move past it yet. Wow. So I'm not ready for that easy accessibility, which you were so relieved to hear when the album came out. I'm like, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Wow, you're still stuck in Brave Land. I know why. Why? Mm. I much prefer the kind of songs that are on Afraid of Sunlight. Well, yeah, it surprised me because I know there are at least two songs on here that I know you love. At I least three that I know you love. absolutely love. Like, they're my favourites. Mm. My all-time Marillion favourites. Yeah. And yet, as a whole, it couldn't quite... It was. This is why I wish that I'd had, like, a year break well, okay. from Brave because we were, it was still we were already Brave's getting shadow. trouble for taking too long to get I know oh I know <laughs> oh everyone we're gonna we're just gonna waffle for a year while saying we're gonna start reviewing Sandy the, needs yeah. a break after Brave we're for gonna a start year reviewing to the albums it. in release order and in real time <laughs> as, can you as imagine how it will be these days four years later yeah oh finally we've got to well five <laughs> no, years I, yeah. I do I do love it it's a great album I wish that I can had, sense your disappointment, wish, and not, that that saddens me. I'm, not, I know. It really I knew, makes me I sad. I knew I was going to sadden you, and I'm not disappointed in it. I'm not. I love it, and I know that after a, a, in a few months' time, when I listen to it, I'll be like, "Oh yes, this is amazing." Mm. This is why we're going to have to go back over. Yeah, and this, I've really this podcast will never end. To it. <laughs> we'll go back over everything. But the thing is, I've really enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed listening to it far more than I did Brave mm. in the beginning. But maybe it's because... Maybe you go on a stupid emotional journey. That's what I was going to say. Maybe because you had to commit to it emotionally much more. Mm, but but Afraid of Sunlight does have very raw emotional elements to it. Yes, it does. So it's not a logical experience. I can't explain why. Because I know that I love most of the songs i don't love all of them i know that you've made that very clear to me in recent weeks <laughs> oh, it was only yesterday yeah. look i mean i it was only yesterday that i admitted to you which one i didn't like yeah and you were surprised that i said that's one that i'm not a fan yeah of. i know i was shocked yeah well, i may have changed my opinions since then. oh 
dang. Yeah. Look. But I do like it. I definitely like it. It is an album I would recommend to others. I would far more easily recommend Afraid of Sunlight to others than Brave. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. There's no way I'd give Brave to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I say that as someone who loves the album. Yeah, but Brave, uh, like, needs a lot of commitment to have yeah. it grow on you. I think we're going to end up talking about the individual songs next week. So before we wrap up, just just give me... What was it? Give me... Was it the sound of the album? Was it the... <sighs> The individual the songwriting, or was it just purely that you were so committed still to, to it, Brave? You were married to Brave. I was married to Brave. I was married to, not to Brave, because it's a dark album and it's depressing. I was, but it was the sound of Brave mm. that I hadn't, I hadn't like pulled the pieces of it off me yet. Mm. Musically, I love the sound of Afraid of Sunlight. Even the song I don't like, I actually do like parts of it. The song you don't like is the one that I would say. I'm being deliberately coy because I don't want to give spoilers for next week's episode. But that's the song that I would have thought fitted best on Brave. Interesting, isn't it? I'll probably grow to love it, won't I? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, Oh, yeah. We'll get to this strange engine. You're like... hate this now i'm not ready to let go of afraid of sunlight yeah oh yeah it would be that i'm really bad with transitions and change aren't i so no wonder um but i i do enjoy listening to it it's it's an it's an enjoyable listen it's something i'd put on in the car it's something i'd put on in the background it's an it's a fun more upbeat album Mm. there's there is an element of optimism there Mm. On songs like Beautiful. It, yes, and I love Surf Beautiful. Babe. Yeah. Oh, I'm just trying to read your expression when I mentioned Cannibal Surf Babe. You'll have to wait till next week. <sighs> I'm giving nothing away. Nothing. Curse, curses. Well, do you know what's going to happen? I'm predicting this now. We're going to go through it song by song, and I'll end up saying, oh, this is my favourite album, or something like that. Mm. You you wait. <laughs> Talking about it is going to make me love it more. Yeah. I mean, I don't l- not love it. I, I want to put you that just, out You keep there. saying like. But there are songs on there that I really love. Like really love. I know. I know there are three on there that you there's, really love. And there's which three you're There's thinking? two songs on there which three are... Three that I really love. Yeah, three. There's three. I know what they are. I can tell you what they are. Go on then. Beautiful. Yes. Afraid of Sunlight. Yes. Beyond You. Yes, and there's one more. Gaspacho. No, Afraid of Sunrise. Yes. Gaspacho, you're right. Oh! 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 Spoilers. Spoilers. Wow, okay. No, that's not true. I don't I don't dislike Gaspacho. Okay, stop talking about it. We're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> I think I think that's a good place to leave it for yeah, this week. Yeah, let's leave that's it there. That's our intro. These big albums, we seem to do three episodes or in the case of Brave 24 uh. <laughs> 24 episodes on Brave this is why it took me so long to get past it because we just kept talking about yeah. it and then I just kept listening to it and then it's like well I dare anyone to try and move past such a, a, a dense heavy captivating sound mm. so uh, what I'll say come back next week we're going to start delving into the songs and we will see whether Sanya starts to come around a bit more to afraid of sunlight because look 
this album's special to me because aside from anything else, I will reveal it now, dear listener. I gave Sanya a CD of music oh, before we're gonna we met. Go there. I'm gonna go there because look, I have to. I have to because when we get to certain songs on this album, I have to talk about you and I. I gave Sanya a songs a CD of songs that were kind of among my favourite songs at the time. Some of the songs on there now I still like, but you know I kind of go there. <laughs> but two of those songs were "Afraid of Sunlight" and "Beyond You." Mm-hmm. Um, and consequently, they're two of my favourite songs. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, yeah, it means a lot to me. This album, it was part of our relationship, and exactly what I said, you know, it was the album that I would give to people. <laughs> so here you go. So yeah, they were the first two Marillion songs you ever heard. Yeah, actually, that'll be interesting for me to talk about my first impressions. Yeah, oh. first impressions ever of Marillion. Yeah, come back to that next week that's what we'll i talk didn't about. even think about that when i was writing about the songs god's sakes i know sake tip for sake <laughs> no one knows what that means you do yeah i do well now oh god now edit, we're gonna have to explain you can edit it. that bit out tip for sake sounds awful <laughs> that sounds terrible i'm gonna explain <laughs> it we went up Sanya's <laughs> <laughs> broken down we went up Mount Vesuvius one time and <laughs> there was a man and a young boy. Well, not a young boy, a teenage boy. And they were handing out walking sticks to people going up the, up the mountain. On the way back down, people were handing him the, the, the walking sticks. Uh, <laughs> handing him the walking sticks uh, and he was losing his temper with them because they they hadn't realized that you were meant to pay for the walking sticks or tip him for the walking sticks so he was going insane angrily snatching stakes as he called them off of people well he called them sakes yeah okay i know but i was trying not to mention that in case it offended our italian listeners no they wouldn't be offended by that okay. by the way Ita- uh, sanya's children are all italian yes. i should just say that <laughs> so we're allowed to I mean, yeah, it wasn't anything about him being Italian. Anyway, there you go, everyone. That's how you end a podcast about Marillion. (laughs) With an anecdote about Vesuvius. Tip for say. Right, join us next week. If in the meantime you want to write us an email about why Sanya's wrong or... uh, I know I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Your opinions aren't wrong. I know I'm wrong. No, look, I can't can't say that. Someone will leave us a four-star review saying (laughs) he has to accept that his opinions aren't universal. No, Um, but the thing is, logically, I know I'm wrong. You're not wrong. I'm on an emotional level. I can't force that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You, you, that's how you feel and that's how it is so if you want to send us an email beampod at gmail.com talking about Afraid of Sunlight be great if you, you could keep it under um, 10,000 words <laughs> as much as we love the long emails yeah concise is great because uh, then we might be able to contain them to one episode because Sanya is like no we've got to read everyone's because she doesn't want anyone to be left out of the fun and I like the I like the messages. They, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, we do love getting emails. So go subscribe to us. Um, go give us a review. Tell people about us. All of that. We have just had, as at the time of recording this, our biggest couple of days ever on the podcast, which is amazing. So um, thank you to everyone. Thank you. Who, who started tuning in. 
uh, it's it's great. Uh, we feel very loved and lucky and blessed. We do. Yeah. Um, throw us some money if you want. <laughs> tip for steak. Tip for steak. Tip for pod. Tip for pod. You can actually. I've got a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com, Mr. Biffo, M R B I double F O. Although uh, beware. Beware. There's no. Um, there's no Meridian stuff on there at the moment, I don't think. Um, but I do write blogs and you, you do, can watch yeah. our silly videos early. <laughs> um, no, it's also you and I talking. Yeah, the, we do the, have chats. The Patreon exclusive videos. And actually we did in one of our Patreon exclusive chats. Yeah. We did talk about misplaced childhood. Yeah. And how it had affected us. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, patreon.com. But that was a long time Mr. ago. Mr. Biffo. If some of you do sign up to that, I might start doing some Meridian content on there. <laughs> Scare everyone else away. Yeah, well, they can lump it. <laughs> right, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.